Welcome to the Capitol Beach. My name is Derek Brockbank. I'm the executive director of Coastal States Organization and the host of the Capitol Beach. I'm very excited today to be hosting my own podcast about the administration's FY 2022 budget. Uh, I recently joined Howard Marlowe and Dan Ginolfi on an episode of Waterlog, uh, their podcast to talk about the overall president's budget. Um, But at the time, we had not seen NOAA's budget come out yet. We knew it was going to see some significant increases, but we hadn't seen the detail. Um, And now we have seen the detail, and so I'm very glad to be uh, joined today by Kim Teixeira, who's the Division Chief of Policy, Planning, and Communications for NOAA's Office of Coastal Management. And she's going to help us uh, discuss some of the highlights of the NOAA budget or the proposed budget from the administration for FY22. Uh, there's a lot in the NOAA budget, so we're only going to really touch on touch on a few key uh, pieces and, and some of the real um, top line messages. But I'm um, really excited to have her and really excited to talk about what looks to be a fantastic budget for the coast. But before we dive into that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering. With 28 offices along the Gulf Coast, the folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to check out their brand new Coastal Resilience Department, headed up by ASPN's own Peter Ravella. Find them at lja.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter at coastalnewstoday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now. Email me to learn more at chloe at coastalnewstoday.com. That's C-H-L-O-E at coastalnewstoday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show. Kim, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, really glad to have you. Really glad to talk about this amazing budget that is $1.5 billion bigger than it, uh, Noah's proposed or Noah's budget was last year. Um, but before we dig into the budget, let's hear a little bit about you. Um, welcome. Can you tell us uh, sort of what your role is with Noah and, and what your background is? Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be able to talk about this exciting topic today. Um, I work in NOAA's Office for Coastal Management, which is part of the National Ocean Service. And as the chief of our policy planning communications division, my role is to provide leadership and support for the Office for Coastal Management's congressional and interagency engagement efforts for our communications and outreach, policy development, budget planning. And and this division also provides leadership and coordination for our office's Uh, program evaluation activities that are mandated under the Coastal Zone Management Act, as well as all of our environmental compliance reviews um, that ensure our activities are compliant with the National Environmental Policy Act and other environmental statutes. So um, I've worked for NOAA since uh, starting with them in, in 1999 in Charleston, South Carolina, where I worked as a contractor for five years. I uh, came up to our headquarters offices in Silver Spring, Maryland in 2005, where I was hired on as a federal employee. And I've worked here ever since um, in a variety of capacities for a few different offices, though I spent my entire tenure with NOAA in the National Ocean Service working to advance coastal management issues and policies. And I have a Bachelor of Science in Zoology from the University of Rhode Island and a Master's in Marine Affairs and Policy from the University of Miami. Cool. We've had a, a few University of Rhode Island grads. They certainly have a, a exceptional coastal and oceans program. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. And now, uh, w- 
I may say OCM. It's such a, you know, in DC, we are such a jargon and acronym culture. Um, but OCM is the Office for Coastal Management. Uh, and o- Office of Coastal Management is under the National Ocean Service, which covers a, a more broader portfolio of ocean and coastal programs. Um, so I'm going to ask you to a, a little bit talk a little bit about NOAA's budget more broadly, and that includes some of the atmospheric, some of the marine fisheries, but mostly we'll be focusing on coastal management. So if, if our listeners are interested in, in more of the fishery side or the weather service or, you know, climate and atmospheric science, you know, definitely check out uh, the NOAA budget documents that will be linked in the show notes, but we're not going to be digging into that too much today. Um, other thing I wanted to run through even before we get started is the federal budgeting process. I sort of forget that sometimes, you know, you hear the president's budget and you think, well, this is what's going to, this is what's going to happen. Um, when in fact the president's budget is really just a proposal. Uh, so the president's budget came out, the initial president's budget this year, um, with a new administration came out in what we called the skinny budget. I don't think that's a technical term, but it was a short high level piece, um, back in, I think March. Uh, with some sort of high-level numbers. So at that point, we knew NOAA was going to see some pretty extensive um, increases, but we didn't know for which programs or what areas. The full budget came out uh, in June, and that's where we really got to see much more detail what was going to be, um, what the administration was proposing to fund NOAA at. But of course, the administration really just is a proposal. It doesn't actually have the power. Uh, the Congress has the power of the purse strings. And so the next step in this whole process will be to see Congress pass appropriations bills. Um, this starts in the House and moves to the Senate, but they have to pass appropriations bills. And then um, they'll need to work together to finalize an appropriations bill for uh, the Department of Commerce. And the Department of Commerce, which includes NOAA, also has uh, that appropriation bill includes Commerce, uh, Department of Justice, and Science. So it's Commerce, Justice, and Science appropriations. And of course, this is often gets delayed, and that's when we get into the situations where we have potential government shutdowns. There can be what's called a continuing resolution, which means if they can't come to agreement on new funding, they'll just continue last year's funding, and that can be done for a short term or a long term. So it's still a very complicated process. We're not going to take this whole show to go into budgeting process, but I think it is important to know that what we're talking about today is a proposal and not money in the bank, as it were. Um, so Kim, uh, I will actually turn over to you. You've been working on this as, as long as I have. Did, did I miss anything there? Um, and then also, can you talk a little bit about what your role is um, in this process, you being both Kim, but then also how does like how does NOAA develop its proposed budget, knowing that it's not necessarily going to see all that funding? We're not necessarily knowing what Congress will do. Right. Well, first of all, I, I think you captured that you know perfectly. We're, we're, we're really going to be having our eyes peeled for what comes out later this summer with the uh, the House mark and the Senate mark to really have a sense of how Congress is thinking about this proposed budget. Um, so it is just a proposal at this point, but, but certainly um, an exciting one with lots of opportunities in there. And, and our role in the process um, within my office is, uh, and, and other offices like ours in, in NOAA, is to propose the activities and investments that will help to advance the administration's priorities and to advance gaps in our ability to meet partners' needs on the ground. So in fiscal year 2022, NOAA's contributions focus largely on supporting the administration's efforts to address the climate crisis. And NOAA provides the overall um, guidance and boundaries for what each office must submit for consideration as part of that budget. And then OCM 
works with its sister offices across the National Ocean Service and NOAA to ensure that the various activities and investments that we put forward for inclusion are complementary and take advantage of, of the specialized expertise and capacity across the agency. And then once it's decided what we're going to put forward, we develop a more detailed description of the work to be accomplished, how that work will address the priority needs and the milestones, deliverables, performance measures, et cetera, that will demonstrate our progress and accomplishments along the way. And then all of that information, as well as any other uh, staffing or cost information is reviewed by both the Department of Commerce and OMB and is turned into what is ultimately included in the congressional justification document that's released to the public. So this is a little a little tangent, but that seems like that would take a long time. So how long does that usually take? I mean, are you like how soon do you actually start thinking about the FY23 budget? Is that going to be something you, you know, get going even before the FY22 budget is is finalized by Congress? Absolutely. In fact, we will we will likely start planning for that in a couple of weeks. Um, traditionally, in a, in any normal year, we're, NOAA is planning uh, several years out. Um, but this year, we had a very accelerated planning process for for FY twenty two to make sure that we could uh, adequately capture these range of needs and and put them forward. So the budget did come out a little bit later um, than is typical. But it, it does take a while to get through all of those processes. Yeah, the current administration's uh, response to climate change is a little bit different than the last one. So I imagine there were different priorities coming forward. Um, and that actually gets to my, my first sort of budget question, and, and you touched on it. NOAA's top line budget was about $1.5 billion um, more than FY21. That would put NOAA's budget uh, from where it is now at approximately $5.5 billion to about $7 billion. Um, and the administration is framing this as, and I'm quoting the headline of the press release, America's response to the climate crisis. So Kim, I guess my question for you is, you know, at a high level, I know we can't, you can't get into all the details here. It's far, far too much. But at a high level, can you tell me how this budget does reflect those uh, administration priorities? How, if this budget was passed by Congress, how would it help address the climate crisis? Sure. So at a high level, the, the FY22 budget request would enhance NOAA's efforts overall to research, mitigate, and adapt to climate impacts through investments in, in five key areas. The first is research. We then have observations and forecasting, res restoration and resilience, ecologically sound offshore wind development, and equity. And it also includes um, some investments in fleet support and satellites to ensure um, continuity of our observations and, and to support space weather observations and predictions. But let's sort of talk a little bit about the, the overall investments in each of these categories. So um, this president's budget request includes substantial uh, increases in each of those categories, including uh, $149 million to strengthen NOAA's research uh, to provide improved climate science, uh, services and forecast products, um, $368 million to explain delivery of NOAA's climate observations and forecasts to better understand, uh, prepare for, and adapt to, to future conditions, $259 million for restoration and resilience to support both natural and economic resilience of our oceans and coasts. So that, that breaks down to a variety of, of investments, including direct funding, um, the expertise that we collectively provide across the agency, 
support for on the ground partnerships, and of course, um, the investments in, in place-based conservation activities. And, and that um, category, the restoration and resilience category, is where many of the increases related to the Office for Coastal Management are binned. Um, but then lastly, we also have 20 million for offshore wind and an additional 60 million to enhance NOAA's efforts to integrate equity across the organization, including new programs to build um, a more diverse and inclusive NOAA's workforce, as well as some of the more externally focused efforts for equity and environmental justice to ensure that our science and services are reaching the folks that need it most, including uh, underserved and disadvantaged communities. Thanks for uh, sharing. And, and certainly some of those numbers sound really impressive. Uh, you know, I've talked with some of our colleagues about this as the Oprah budget for, for NOAA, where it's like, you get $30 million, you get $50 million, <laughs> you know, every, everyone gets $50 million because it's just a, it's across the board, we've seen some really phenomenal increases in programs. The flip side of that, of course, is at least in my take is, you know, NOAA's budget represents less than 2% of the discretionary federal budget. You know, um, it's it's just not a major, major piece of the federal budget. When you think about NOAA being the lead or the lead agency to deal with coastal climate resilience and some of the challenges that we're going to face there, as well as being the, you know, lead climate data organization that the institution most responsible for predicting and telling us what's going to happen with weather. It's, you know, it's phenomenal, I think, um, just sort of what NOAA accomplishes with uh, with the funding that it gets. So anyway, my little sidebar, uh, plug in the plug in NOAA. Um, so you talked about, uh, about all these different pieces. Let's, let's turn to office of coastal management where your focus is. Um, and we'll dig into some of the coastal programs there. So first, I guess you mentioned office of coastal management, but can you tell a bit more what the office of coastal management is and does, um, and sort of how it developed? I think a couple of our probably old timer listeners, had heard of this as, uh, well, it had a different name. What was it? The Coastal Stewardship Office? I forgot, but can you give sort of an overview of the OCM and and how it um, evolved? Probably about 10 years ago now, uh, we had been two separate offices within the National Ocean Service, one being the Coastal Services Center and the other being the Office of Ocean and Coastal Resource Management. Both of those offices um, had a mission that was directly focused on supporting the needs um, along the coast and specifically coastal management. The Office for Ocean and Coastal Resource Management had that more direct connection to the coastal zone management programs, both through funding and technical assistance, guidance, et cetera, while the former Coastal Services Center had uh, a mission that was more product and service driven to make sure that those uh, programs had the, the data, tools, training, and other resources that were needed to be successful. So we really sort of felt like bringing those two pieces together would be a really powerful um, collection of, of services that could really advance coastal management overall. So NOAA's Office for Coastal Management um, now administers and provides support for, for a range of federal state partnership programs, providing technical and financial assistance, as well as the data tools and training that are needed within the coastal management community to advance both community and ecosystem resilience. And the Office for Coastal Management administers the National Coastal Zone Management Program, 
the National Estuarine Research Reserve System, the Coral Reef Conservation Program, Digital Coast, and the National Coastal Resilience Fund, which we jointly administer um, in partnership with the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation. And then OCM, as we, OCM for short, as you, as you mentioned, also works to bring together new partners and stakeholders from a variety of backgrounds um, and sectors to identify the greatest need needs on the ground and advance solutions to complex uh, coastal management issues. So as you mentioned, National Estuary and Research Reserve, uh, Coastal Zone Management Program, which includes both folks at NOAA as well as um, helps fund the coastal management programs, coastal zone management programs at states, um, and uh, Digital Coast, a bunch, a bunch of cool programs. Though there are certainly other coastal efforts going on. Sea Grant is off under the uh, Research Office of Research, and uh, there's other areas. But let's let's talk about some of the highlights from OCM. So, what would you consider some of the the highlights or some of the biggest potential increases in OCM budget this year? So we're fortunate to have a number of increases um, included in the president's budget. And, and I encourage your listeners to to um, to go and, and take a look because there's some really exciting ones in there. But I know that we don't have time to, to jump into all of them. So I'll highlight just a few. Um, first, we have uh, a $9 million increase to advance equity through NOS products and services. So Working across NOAA, the Office for Coastal Management recently completed an equity service assessment that, that identified some of the primary challenges and barriers uh, that we really need to address as an organization in order to provide greater access to our products and services. And, and that can include everything from language barriers, data accessibility, um, having equitable access to the funding programs that we administer, for example, and this increase will work to address those challenges that were identified through that assessment and also to support additional ass assessments of our own uh, efforts within our office and, and working with other offices in the National Ocean Service to assess their efforts. We'll be sharing those lessons learned um, with other parts of NOS to ensure that NOAA's overall science and services can more effectively reach the communities that are most vulnerable to climate impacts, including those that have been historically underserved. Um, we have a $7.5 million increase for communities of practice. So this will increase, this increase will provide um, leadership, dedicated staff support, and funding um, to support or create new communities of practice in each region. So this is an approach that we, we have taken in certain regions. So this isn't a completely new concept. We have some activities ongoing already within the Gulf of Mexico and, and in the Pacific, but these communities of practice would assemble a range of technical experts, decision makers, and stakeholders in the region to problem solve together and to come up with climate adaptation solutions and investments that can address the most pressing needs and challenges for, for their geography specifically. And these com communities of practice would help to ensure that coastal adaptation investments in each region are science-based, community-driven, and offer um, equitable solutions, making communities and the environment more resilient to those impacts. So OCM, as part of that, would then also provide the national lens to make sure that these successes are shared across region and that the two-way communication is really there with, with NOAA partners, both to make sure that 
our NOAA partners are aware of the needs that are bubbling up on the ground and also to make linkages to the relevant products and services that, that NOAA and our partners have to contribute. So Kim, if I can jump in there just to sort of, um, I think these two are, uh, I hope we get some others, but these two are really interesting to me, both the, the um, advancing racial equity through NOS products and services and the regional coastal resilience communities of practice. Um, both seem like they have come from specific needs. Is this something, are, are these things that have sort of been under consideration for a long time, or were these things that just sort of developed with the new administration's priorities, right? Racial equity and coastal resilience is clearly something that the Biden administration has been pushing for. Collaboration from federal and state uh, and, and stakeholders is, is certainly very much in line with what they're thinking about. So is this is, have these been developed or were these sort of like pulled together suddenly? And, and you can answer them separately or, or together. So I'm going to answer them separately because it's, it's two slightly different answers. So with the equity increase, I would say that, that it is largely responsive to the administration's priorities. I, I think um, as a whole, um, our nation has really um, taken the issues of equity um, a little bit more seriously, and they've really come to the forefront over the last year. Um, and I think this increase, and, and many others like it, frankly, across um, NOAA, really um, speak to that, that, that we are really leaning in on trying to make sure that we are addressing barriers that may have prevented some of um, the coastal communities that we need to serve um, that are also subject to all kinds of vulnerabilities related to the climate crisis, um, but that may have had challenges in accessing some of our services. So that's a bit of a new one um, that we are working to address based on um, the administration's priorities and the recent assessment that we have done to identify some of the areas that we need to work on. The communities of practice, however, is a little bit different. So the communities of practice is an approach that, that has grown up organically in some regions and that we found to be very successful when experts in a particular geography who know the partners on the ground, who know the issues that they really need to tackle, um, come together and problem solve together, it, it's a really powerful combination. And then we're, there, we're able to work with those groups, um, NOAA is able to work with those groups directly to really move the ball forward. Um, they're ready, they're ready to use the products and services that we have to address the challenges that they have on the on the ground. The challenge though, is that when some of these communities of practice have developed, they don't have any staff, they don't have any funding resources to keep them going. So what we found is that they, they often um, lack sustainability and sometimes just sort of fade away. So although we have found them to be very helpful um, and very successful, they're not always able to keep them going um, in a region. And so this is sort of a recognition that A, this has been a successful approach, and B, if we're going to, to make this something that, that we um, work to expand more broadly across the nation, um, some resources are needed to keep it going and to make it successful. And so um, 
this increase really allows us to do that, to provide the staff support and the leadership and coordination that is needed to convene all of these groups, but also some additional funding resources for them to actually implement the solutions they've identified. Thanks. Yeah, that's that's really great. And I think it, it also in some ways uh, uh, is a good reflection on the budget, which is to say, you know, some of this budget really is addressing the priorities of administration. Some of it is just reflecting on the needs of of current management that has has been identified for a long time. And that's not to say that the administration's priorities aren't also things that have been needed for a long time, but it, it sort of feels like it's both um, top down, this is what the administration wants to do, and bottom up, uh, this is what you know we're seeing on the ground really needs to happen. And, and again, I recognize that there's, you know, both of those are, are coming in both directions, but I, I really appreciate that. Okay, um, anything else you want to highlight from uh, OCM's budget? So I think I'll touch on uh, the $30 million increase for the Coastal Zone Management Program. Great. You know, that, that appeals to uh, me and my, my members. So, <laughs> so, so this increase is, is uh, pretty exciting. It recognizes that our Coastal Zone Management Program, uh, Coastal Zone Management Partners are, are, are on the front lines of addressing the impacts of climate change along the coast um, and, and are a really critical part of this puzzle if we're going to meet the needs um, and and address the administration priorities. So this increase ensures that these programs have the additional resources they need to advance and and hopefully expedite the critical investments, projects, um, and and potential policy changes that are needed to tackle these complex issues across the country. So, you know, these are activities that these programs, as you know, have been doing for a long time, um, from vulnerability assessments to to actually implementing resilience projects and investments um, on the ground. We, I, I think that this increase, um, we're excited to see that it, it really um, underscores the role that the coastal zone management programs around the country play in, in building um, climate and hazard resilience. And, and so we're, we're excited to, to provide that additional resources, uh, the additional resources in uh, the president's budget request. Well, yeah, we, we certainly are, are uh, grateful and appreciate and, and think it is a very appropriate increase. Um, we'll be working with Congress to do what we can to make sure that that, is, that level is reached, or at least uh, we can come as close to that level as we possibly can. Um, because as you said, it, you know, the coastal management, the basis of coastal management is a cooperative federalism where there's federal roles, there's roles for states. And I think acknowledging that the states have a critical role in it and are doing a lot of this work is really important. And I think also, you know, particularly as states' budgets um, were taking a hit over the past year with COVID, recognizing that, you know, an additional investment there can be can be helpful, I think would be also uh, very helpful. Um, okay, I'll, I'll pull one more and then we probably have to, to move on. Um, but the you mentioned the, the National Coastal Resilience Fund. I guess this is uh, that NIFWIF and NOAA jointly administer. Um, this also got a significant increase. Uh, I think it almost doubled or maybe did double. Anything you want to talk about the, the, the NCRF fund? Sure. So, so you're right. It did double. So there's a $34 million increase. The, the current National Coastal Resilience Fund um, is uh, had an enacted budget this year of $34 million. So, so this increase is sizable. It would double the size of, of the current program that NOAA administers um, with NIFWIF. Uh, each year, there's well over $100 million of unmet need. In fact, in 2020, 
we had um, $130 million of, of unmet needs of proposals that came in that we were not ultimately able to fund. So we're really eager to provide the additional resources that can enable more communities around the country to plan for and implement um, natural infrastructure solutions to enhance the resilience of their coastal communities and ecosystems. Um, I hope that a lot of your listeners um, are aware of the National Coastal Resilience Fund. If they're not, I certainly encourage them to look it up. It's a great program. Um, and these are additional resources will allow NOAA and NIFWF to not only provide the additional grants um, to support the needs that are out there on the ground, um, but also to provide technical assistance and outreach to underserved communities to make sure that we're providing equitable access to these funding resources that they know um, how to access them and, and how to submit um, uh, a proposal. So we're excited about this one. Yeah. And for my regular listeners, I don't actually know if I have regular listeners, uh, but <laughs> if, if I do, um, I did have a chance to talk with uh, the heads of the NCRF program, Erica Feller, probably about this time last year. So, uh, you know, check out the, you know, go back. I think it's still probably pretty applicable, except hopefully, fingers crossed, more money next year. Um, but I think the program is mostly stayed the same, although I, I would acknowledge, as, as you just did, um, that they've also been thinking about how to be more inclusive and making sure that their funds are uh, reaching and are, are considering communities that may not have the means to fully match funds or may not necessarily have the sort of, um, have been historically disadvantaged and, and not quite as eligible. So pleased to see that too. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I want to, I do want to move on, but want to give you a chance to see, see if there's anything any other programs you'd like to highlight with an OCM uh, budget this year? Um, I'm just going to touch on one more. As I said, there, there are more than all the ones that I'm highlighting here, but I will just say quickly um, that we were also pretty excited to see that the National Eastern Research Reserve System received a $14 million increase. And, you know, like the Coastal Zone Management Program increase, it really kind of recognizes some of the, the longstanding successes and activities that, that the NEARS have been supporting for a long time and the value that they bring. So this would build on um, some longstanding national mapping and monitoring efforts to really understand that what's going on on the ground, understand the impacts of, of climate on sensitive e estuarine e ecosystems um, and, and sharing effective management and adaptation approaches. Um, it, they'll work to identify some conservation corridors and habitat gaps um, but the increase also supports additional research, vulnerability assessments, resilience plans for the reserves, and an expansion of some of their um, decision-maker training and the successful Teachers on the Estuary program. So some good stuff there as well. Yeah, and we expect to, there are at least, I think, two, maybe even three uh, research reserves in development. So hopefully in the next you know, year or, or a few, we'll see some more reserves. So even more important to make sure that those, that funding increases. So great to see that, that too. Um, okay. Uh, I guess before we sort of totally wrap up, my final question just is, is maybe to ask you to sort of recap this whole budget thing. Um, you know, is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? And then if not, do you sort of want to make a, a closing statement on behalf of OCM for why this budget is is so important and um, you know why it's important for you know listeners to speak out and 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 call out uh, members of Congress and ask ask for this budget to be here. So you know, give us your closing arguments. So, 
as you mentioned at the beginning, and, and, and as I've kind of highlighted in some of these um, amounts that we've been talking about today, these increases are are not typical. <laughs> these these are these are pretty substantial for NOAA, um, but I think it really underscores the value that that we and our partners collectively uh, bring to the table. Um, Coastal States Organization is, is certainly a um, a strong example of those partnerships that we bring. Um, but there are so many across NOAA. Um, and what's exciting about this budget is that it doesn't only lean in on what NOAA can bring to the table, but what all of our partners bring to the table. You know, it, it's it's not lost on me or, or anyone in my office. They, how exciting it is to see increases for every single one of the partnership programs that we administer. That doesn't happen every year. Um, and I hope that all of your um, your listeners are very excited about that because we certainly are. Uh, and I think it's a real opportunity to, to um, put our, our collective efforts together and really make something happen on the ground. I, I think um, there is a recognition that the challenges are so great that there really is this sort of all hands on deck approach that is needed um, to to make a difference. Um, and so real, we're really excited about the opportunity that this brings. I agree. This is a, a generational opportunity, but it's also uh, addressing a challenge that is, you know, probably greater for coastlines than any time in human civilization. So, um, so yeah, hopefully this, hopefully this also resets the frame. I think that's my biggest hope is that this is not just, you know, this isn't just a, okay, FY 22 and maybe FY 23, we'll, we'll push for some really big increases and then sort of go back to where we were. I think this needs to elevate the role of NOAA and partners and on our, and the needs of coastlines. So it's not just sort of a, an afterthought or something that we can plus up every now and then, but something that really needs to be fundamental to who we are as a nation. So Really excited about that. Um, and thank you for your work on this. As you said, you've been working on this for since, or with NOAA since 99. So, um, you know, really appreciate all the staff, uh, all the staff over there, but your support. Okay. My last question is a fun personal one, hopefully, um, uh, which is, you know, we all spend a lot of time, particularly you, you're working with administration, sitting behind a desk. What is your favorite beach or coastal area? Where do you go to rejuvenate, re, you know, rejoice in the work that we do? How do you, uh, what's your, what's your favorite coastal area? So there have been many, and the one that I frequent the most now is in on the coast of Delaware. But I, I will say that if I had to pick just one, uh, my favorite beach would have to be Sullivan's Island, which is located in Charleston, South Carolina. Sullivan's Island has beautiful, healthy dune systems, wide, expansive beach, lots of seabirds. Um, the water's chilly, but not too chilly, uh, you know, pretty easy to get into. And and I used to take my dog to run on the beach in the mornings. Um, that used to be allowed when I lived there. I, I suspect it may not be anymore. Uh, but she and she would just run and run as fast as she could down the beach with her ears flapping in the wind. And um, it, it was certainly a, a shared love of the beach that she and I had. Well, that's lovely. And yep, I suspect Fish and Wildlife Service and the, the threats to shorebirds now are probably cracking dog on cracking down on free roaming dogs but it, yeah perhaps so <laughs> seeing a dog on a beach is one of the more joyous things in life so uh, lovely thank you so much kim and thank you so much for joining us today thanks for having me